Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Let us find mercy. Let us find grace to help us in our time of need. And we always need you, Lord. There's not a time that we don't need you. If we anybody tells us that ain't so, you're listening to the devil. Nobody but mad but him that you're following God. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you for this time together with you, listening to your holy word. We honor you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to start. I thought we need to talk some today about partnering with God. Amen. Partnering with God. Because so many times we think we're in this alone or we think there's something that's come uh, in our lives that's a shock to God or a surprise to him. Uh, if it entails us messing up, trust me, he ain't surprised. But I'm pop. I wish I had a drummer. I, what? Huh? N O. Okay. That would be a firm no. We're talking about partnering with God. So we can call it faith. You can call healing, whatever you want to call it, but I don't think we have to categorize everything. I'm not real sure. You know, I'm gonna check on that, but yeah. Alright, so we're we're good, okay? Alright, thank you. So anyway, we're partnering with God. Amen. And that is a privilege that God has afforded us because we have a covenant with him. Covenant means that when you have difficulties, you automatically have somebody who will undertake for you. And and that is something, you know, instead of your mind trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? When? How? What? What? Questioning yourself and trying to search yourself for answers, understand that you have a senior partner that you are working with in life where he has already ordained your life. I mean, the things that, that God wants for you are already set up for you. Uh, all you have to do is find out what your part is in doing it and, and trust him and do it by faith. And, and that really uh, entails seeking him, uh, letting him guide you, let him speak to you, uh, let him lead you, all of that. It's, it's so easy to get into a, a, um, a conditioning, a habit of just allowing God, seeking God and allowing Him to start to feed you understanding, give you revelation, give you knowledge, open doors for you, all of that. And, uh, but it, it takes some teaching. We have to train ourselves how to think about these things and how not to rely on our own understanding, how to not trust. Sometimes it's stuff that used to work for you flawlessly. Now all of a sudden in God's kingdom, it doesn't work anymore and we don't understand that but you must understand that God has a kingdom way to do things is a better way to do things is a way for you to do things where the payoff will be uh, great it'll be positive it won't be uh, a problem that comes about uh, as a as a result of your actions which we we 
live that life already. We go through that. We've gone through that so much. Your life before God is all trial and error. You're not sure if it's going to work. Now, you might be confident about some things, but you're not really certain they're going to work. You know, you're just trying stuff. But when you partner with God, everything he leads you into works. It works. If it doesn't work the first time, it will eventually work. And this is the blessing that we have that when, when Jesus, uh, when, when uh, God told Adam and Eve to go forth, uh, be fruitful, multiply and prosper and increase, that mandate is still on us. See, when you set out every day, you don't set out to fail, you set out to prosper. Everybody does. That's, it's just in you to want to see your efforts pay off. And and they don't pay off because of something that's called the curse that's out there in the world, and it's a result of iniquity, which you know it, you we all have it in us. We all have that error uh, on the inside of us that when it when it kicks in, it can look like it's going to work out, and then at the end of the road, it's like, man, I never thought this was going to happen. You know, and, and it may take years for, for God to help you to get that to reverse. And so, but the nice thing is that when you come into God's kingdom, you automatically start sowing seeds of righteousness. And those seeds will prosper every single time. So in a way, you can look at your life as a garden. Say, for instance, all your life you've been growing nothing but weeds. Amen. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's like, yeah, it's okay, but it could have been better. You know, it's, you know, I'll stick with that, but it, we got problems here. We need, got things we need to straighten out here. And, but, but at the same time that you've been, once you get saved, you start planting, uh, flowers, things you want, tomatoes, good, good crops. And so, but the thing, the nice thing is though, if you stay with the word, the good will start to choke out the bad instead of the other way around. And you get to a point in your life where everything that's good stands out so wonderfully, you don't notice the little stuff that's not right in your life. Or you shouldn't. Because you know that at some point God's going to reverse that and he's going to turn that around for your good. And so we can count it all good when we come into a knowledge of God because once you do that, you, you can start, you can start seeing some progress. You start seeing some answers to prayer. You start seeing some things happen for you that you maybe thought wouldn't happen. Uh, some opportunities come up that, that people said you could, could never have, that kind of stuff. And, and so that begins to out Weigh the things that are are not as good in your life, and give God a chance to correct those. You know, don't let stuff that's not right bug you. Amen. Just just you know, cover it up, put some lipstick on it, you know, put a wig on it, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Dress it up. <laughs> Amen. Say it's not gonna bother me. I'm not gonna give thought to any of that stuff. That's how you live for God. It's not that everything's right and wonderful. It's that it's what you pay attention to, what you focus on. If you go let little stuff bug you, Amen. You know, sometimes you can. You ever have that thing where you, you there's a little hair sticking in your eye, and you you could live with it. 
And you know eventually that hair ain't gonna kill you. That hair is not gonna take it. But you just gotta get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get it now. I just gotta get this hair, you know. And, and then pretty soon you just say, well, I can't get it. I'm gonna leave it alone. And that hair goes away. It's the same thing with iniquity in our lives, problems in our lives. They're just little hairs. You know, once you pray about them and, and sick the word on that stuff and commit your way to the Lord, it's not a problem anymore. You know, you can say it's been dealt with. And that's true about everything that, that we face in life. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's uh, a broken limb or, or a stroke or anything like that. Uh, these are things we commit to God and the word begins to work on them, begins to eradicate them, change them, restructure them, whatever it is, that, how God wants to handle it. And we have to be com- careful, uh, comfortable with the way God wants to handle things. You can't let him handling it upset you in the way he does it. Don't let that upset you. Just know that God will take care of it and he'll do a miracle. He'll do something you never thought could be done before in your life if you just leave it alone and let him have it so we're going to talk about how you partner with god and jesus introduced us to his way of doing things if you'll turn to matthew chapter 11 and we'll start in verse 11. jesus is talking about how god the father has revealed his truth to two people and he'd been preaching for a while when he uh comes into this revelation that he wants to share and he says in verse 27 all things are delivered unto me of my father in other words jesus constantly pulled the the three of them together father son and holy spirit he always let let the people know what type of God he was. He's a triune God. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You'll see some people in this thing of Jesus only. And there's always been all kinds of offshoots of the word, even though the Bible clearly says baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When you connect with that God, you've got the real God. Anything else is not real or it's partial revelation or it's incorrect. It's it's incorrect doctrine. And so he says here, all things are delivered uh, from to me. Everything I'm doing, the Father has given me to do, in other words. And he says, no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son and to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus is saying, uh, knowledge of me, me is not widespread. God has selected you out to teach you these things. And, and I think that's a glorious privilege if we'll just look at it that way. Look at all the, the people in the world and God has chosen you to reveal himself to. Amen. And don't say everybody knows God or the, you know, the gospel is, you know, uh, you don't know that. You, you know, cause there are too many people out here acting like they never met him for us to talk about how widespread the knowledge of God is, you know, and, and then God is continual revelation. He's continuing to open our eyes to who he is. He's, he's blowing our minds about, you know, his ways. And, and the more you, you delve into relationship with God, the more you find out just how miraculous living with him really, really is. And so he says here, 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now this is a, a real appeal to people who know who they are. You know, people who understand that life is getting the better of me. See, when you get to that point, you're ready to convert and reach out to God. People who think they have it all together and and have it all full and rich and all this kind of stuff, it's hard to get them people to see a need for the Lord. But Jesus said, when your burdens of life get too much for you, I don't care if you're rich, you're poor, who you are, when your burdens of life get too much for you, then if if I'm your last resort, come to me anyway. I'm I'm not embarrassed that I'm the last one on your dance card. In fact, he usually is. Mostly we've tried everything. So I might as well try and see what maybe God will help me out and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't mind that. He understands we don't know what's going on. But he's so, so, so welcoming. He's so... I mean, you, you, he, you can't get a more humble person than Jesus is. He's so ready to help us on whatever terms because he'll make the terms right. If your attitude about him isn't quite right when you come to him, if every other uh, time you mention his name is in a cuss word, he continues to forgive you. You understand what I'm saying? He's he's so meek and so lowly and so easy to get along with and to receive from me from. And he said that he said I will give you rest. In other words, I am your resting place. When you come to me, you work no longer, you strive no longer. You 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 know, it's not the world against you anymore. It's God for you and who can be against you? I'm for you. And that's all that really matters. And he says, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So his yoke is a teaching yoke. It's not a I know everything about God yoke. You know, this isn't a contest about who knows the most about God or who can tell the most scriptures or who can get the biggest prophecies and have the greatest revelation. This has to do with us learning about him. And letting him help our lives. The more you learn about him, the greater you are in him, the more you're able to help people. The more you know about him, the more you can rely and trust on him. Just keep learning. That's what he's saying. He said, you keep learning. He said, I've got a lot to talk to you about. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. In other words, I'm a very humble hearted man. He says, he said, I'm not, he said, I'm powerful. You know, I cast out devils, I heal the sick, I raise the dead, but I'm not cocky about it, I'm not prideful about it, I'm not trying to lord it all over you. I don't want to get in your life so I can boss you around. I'm in your life so I can help you. I'm in your life so I can be the invisible God who gives you the idea, who gives you the unction, who gives you the anointing, who supplies everything, and I let you live your life. But I'm helping you in the I'm the one in the background helping you. I'm the one whispering in your ear which way to go. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Amen. That that background voice that you hear that tells you which way to go. Go here. Don't go there. Do this. Don't do that. Don't spend your money over here. Spend your money over there. Keep your money in your pocket. Well, you don't listen to that, but he's 
<laughs> he said, this is the way walk ye in it. Amen. And all the husbands say, amen. Amen. I'm the one, I'm the one with, I'm that voice. Amen. <laughs> amen. So it, it's good. And, and he wants us to learn. We're always learning. I don't care how much experience you've had in God, how many great things he's done through you or for you or whatever your testimony is. He's, we have much to learn. Every day is a learning experience. Why? Because we're born in darkness and, and Jesus is the one who dispels the darkness. The Bible says in him was life and that life was the light of men. So we need life and light dwelling on the inside of us in order for us to get where God wants us to go. Amen? Because we're dwelling in darkness. I don't care how good your life is. There's darkness there. Amen? Uh, and and as long as you're operating outside of the will of God and outside of the presence of God, there's an element of darkness still guiding you. And you want that out of your life. You want You want all those little little trap doors closed so that you can go through life connected with with Jesus in the light burden and the easy yoke. And that's what he says. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, I don't want anything from you. Amen. I'm not putting heavy burdens on you. You know, you know how sometimes you can begin to pray and, and you can think at the end of the prayer you think well you know god i believe you i believe you're going to do this and you can feel such joy and, and rejoicing and then three days later as you know you ever see spongebob i watched a lot of spongebob with rachel three days later you know that thing and there you are back in the dumps again amen wondering did oh lord did he really say i could do that you know all of that stuff and he says i'm not the one doing that to you see his yoke is not heavy his yoke he's got to give us easy stuff to do because he knows we can't do anything hard amen now, you may think you all capable and everything, but you can't do the hard stuff. He's got the hard stuff already done for us. And he's not testing us to see how, you know, walk living by faith is not a torture chamber. You know, it's not, it's, it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be light. You know, if, if you, you, you're not worried anymore, you know how sometimes you, you sit up and you think, Oh, I feel pretty good. Huh? Oh, is this what it's like to be in the, this is the living room. You know, is this what it's like to be in the kingdom? And then you go grab something to start worrying again. You finally found that little speck of something you can worry about. Amen. Cause you're, that's your carnal man. See, when he gets stripped of all of his power and all of his tools that he used to hinder your life, then he's all insecure. He's looking for something. That's not you. That's not your spirit man looking for something to be nervous about. That's your flesh trying to grab on to the old life because he's afraid of what what's going to happen in the new life. You got me? 
I remember I was, I was, uh, this many years ago, I was just barely saved. I got saved because I needed God. I suffered a depression, a nervous breakdown, and I was still going to a psychiatrist. They help some people. You know how sometimes you can be so crazy, you gotta get in your carnal right mind before you can go into a spiritual you understand? I mean, you know, and, and I was saved. I visit the things of the spirit here and there, but for the most part, my mind was tormented. Carl, it needed to be renewed. That don't happen overnight. You understand what I'm saying? Don't rush yourself into perfection, folks. Learn how to live with a little bit of your old whatever you used to do. You know, it's good to know what you used to be. Then you can appreciate where you are and keep moving on to something better. Amen. But I remember talking to the, the, the psychiatrist and he said, well, he said, he said, well, your main problem is you think this and this and this and that and that and that. He said, and you just have to find a way to quit. And I said, well, if I quit thinking like that, what am I going to think about? You know, it's like, don't strip me about my toys. Even though they're messed up toys, you know, the doll don't have a one eye. You know them dolls we played with to death, that ball head doll, all that, them little pores was left on that little ball head and that one eye crippled up. Well, don't take that from me. I won't have nothing. See how sick that is? See how sick we are without God? We still want our little carnal toys so we won't just be empty handed. You know, if I got to play with ideas that cause me to dislike myself more, let me have them. At least I'm thinking about something. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, that's sick. Because we can do better. Because Paul instructs us in Philippians what to think about. You know, I read, when I found that scripture in the Bible, I thought to myself, seriously, God? You mean I've been doing this all my life and there's something else I could do with my mind besides tear myself down and not want to be encouraged and, and destroy myself and think negative things, be scared of my own thoughts, all that. You mean there's something else I can think on? And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, you have the power to do it. He said, there's nothing in the Bible that you are told to do that you can't do. He said, Jesus said, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He said, God would be unjust if he gave you something to do that was impossible for you to do. He said, for you by yourself, it's not possible. He said, but learn how to lean on me. He said, you go, you start reading your Bible. I was reading my Bible. He said, you start reading and believing what you read. He said, don't take it as something that just sounds good. Believe it's for you. And believe what you read. He said, and I will bring back to your remembrance these good thoughts. He said, you trust me to keep reminding you of what you just read. Keep reminding you of of what God says about you. Keep reminding you of the good things. And from that day forward, I knew I was on the right. I knew there was hope for me. There was hope for me to change the way I thought about everything. Because when you're negative on yourself, you're negative on other people, you're negative on everything. Amen. And so when you start to make that change, everything, everything changes. You begin to think more like God. And then you're glad to get in the word. It's not a chore to you anymore. You find life in that word. Amen. Remember when Joyce Meyer, her, her ministry was called Life in the Word? Because she was a broken, a very broken human being. 
And she made a ministry out of teaching people how to accept what God says about you instead of what you say about you and what other people say about you. And just leave all that stuff alone. Amen. And begin to embrace who you really are. See, that's the real you. The person that that you find in the Bible, that's the real you. That person you used to be, that person is dead. Amen. Like the mafia say, you're dead to me. When they, when they tell you that you dead, I don't care if you are walking around, you, I don't care if you got places you can hide, I don't care, you a dead man walking, because when they pronounce you dead, you dead. And that's what we need to do. The Bible says reckon yourselves dead to sin, your old ways, your old life, that person that, that you used to be died on the cross with Jesus. You gotta reckon that person dead. Amen. There's nothing good there. Well, you know, I mean, I used to do good stuff. I don't care. You're going to quit doing it. You're going to quit taking credit for anything. You're going to learn about Jesus. And that's the life he learned. He lived. He never gave himself credit for anything. He always pointed to the Father. Amen. He pointed to the Father. Unless it was by revelation where somebody needed to know who he was. So Jesus says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You can't figure out how to be successful in this world. It's too much against you. Amen. You gotta have God to help you figure it out. Amen. Everything that looks good is not gonna turn out good. And we have to be aware of that. But we know also that God can perfect things that concern us. And this covers us. If you say you're doing the best you can, you're, you're, you're in a, a, a an emergency situation or you need something really badly and you see one open door and you go through that open door and it turns out there's other problems with it. Well, don't go in there cussing at folks and carrying on and acting stupid. God will perfect. He knows that you were in a, 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 a pressed situation. You had to go through that door. Give it over to God. God, I have stepped in here and this looks like a pan of worms. Amen. And so, God, if you will help me with this and expect him to help you, you need a helper because you can't help yourself. We need a helper because we make mistakes. We need a helper because we we are in a way that, that allows us. We're in a world that's full of darkness. You can't see everything all the time. You wish you could, but you can't. And really, the object does not do everything perfectly. That's not why God put us here. We, we, he put us here so we could be changed into the image of Christ. Sometimes trouble changes you. Sometimes trouble brings you to Christ. Sometimes trouble brings you back to God again. You get in more trouble after you say, and he'll bring you right back there again. And so we have to understand that God is, is big enough. He's loving enough, kind enough. Jesus said, take this yoke upon you and learn of me. What is a yoke? It's something that connects you with someone. And he he never said to take it off. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Problem is, many times we want to take the yoke off. We hear something makes us excited and we think we can run off and, and follow that without really getting God's okay about it. 
And, and you need to understand that God wants you to have peace about everything, every decision you make. He doesn't want you to run off all excited now. I know God told me and bam, some, some hits you in the, you get hit in the middle of your eyes with a two by four. Amen. So we gotta hang on folks. We gotta understand. We gotta learn to trust God. He said, learn of me. Gotta learn his ways. His ways are not to answer everything immediately. There's, there's no emergencies in God's kingdom. Everything's already planned. Your day, your day, the rest of your day's planned already. He just wants you to put your little feet in his steps and follow him. Amen. You know, we all want to go off our little separate ways and run here, run there. He ain't running you nowhere. Well, whatever. Some people believe it. Whatever is God has for you is He'll wait for you to get there. Amen. He'll wait for you to get peace about it. Wait for you to get settled. You know, it's the devil who wants to rush us into everything. Amen. This is like the uh, you know vacuum cleaner salespeople. Well, you got to sign now. This deal won't wait. This, you know, that ain't God. His deal will wait until you get peace, until you get out of your confusion. He knows what a little hot mess you are. Amen. He bought you hot mess, hot lock box, and, and whatever. Amen. Bought the whole enchilada. So he's, and he can straighten you out. He can help you. Amen. So, so Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and he says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And he talks about the Holy Spirit as being our comforter. He says, I'm going to have to go away and I'm going to send to you another comforter. So when we take up the yoke of, of God, we're really taking, we're yoking ourselves with the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, he comes to live in you. He wants to, to, uh, do his job. In your life, it's up to you to recognize him and acknowledge him, get in the word and and allow him to speak to you. And so Jesus knew that that when when he left the earth, that would leave the disciples with a large void in her in their lives because Jesus was everything to them. He he walked with them every day they got up. They looked for him. There was class was in session. Amen. And it was fun learning. Amen. You you get to travel everywhere. You got to preach. You got to see miracles. You got to perform miracles. It was like, man, what's going to happen next? And he he fulfilled their lives. They didn't have to worry about anything. They didn't have any needs. They There was nothing missing and lacking in their lives. But when he told them he would have to go away, he knew that would leave them, you know, uh, um, disappointed, discouraged, a, a big void. And he says, I'm sending, though, another comforter. And this comforter is going to be greater in many ways than I am in your lives because I'm just one person. But when I see and send the comforter, he's going to come and live with each and every one of you. In, the, in other words, it's like you taking me home with you every day. You taking me home to live with you every day. You can talk to me. You're never going to be alone. You're never going to be lonely. You're never going to be discouraged. You're never going to be discontent. 
everything that I provide for you guys will be provided to you by this other comforter. And so we need to to examine what he meant by comfort. Amen. Because when you see comforter, it, it, it conjures up different ideas in different people's minds. In fact, some of us don't even understand what that word means. You know, I mean, seriously, it's like, well, comforter, what? Jesus was a miracle worker. He's a healer. He fed people. It's a, what, what do you mean comforter? You know, that's, comfort is like my, my pinky or, you know, <laughs> my little quilt that I get under when I go home or my easy chair or whatever it is. And so it, he's much, much more than that. And we need much more than that. So when it talks about comfort, I think comfort is just a broad term that encompasses any need you have. He's got you. Any need, any problem you, in other words, whenever something comes up, you, that, that thought comes to you, the Holy Spirit's with me, he can die, and you relax. And that, that's really what it is. But he has to fit many different forms and many different jobs and have many functions in order for him to be able to comfort us in all those different, different aspects. So, I, I did some, 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 thinking and and wrote down some some indications of where this comfort will come into us amen and so it says here comforter one of the definitions is it means to call near so don't ever think of god as being against you i don't care what you've done i'm gonna say it again i don't care what you've done he is not against you he's always been for you Many times we've been in the dark about it. That's been the problem. We didn't know he was for us. And if you've got sin on you, that that knowledge about your sin keeps you at a distance. You understand? I mean, anybody, say for instance, I don't know, you know, in your past, you might have people that that you know you did them wrong some kind of way. And you think they're looking for you. And, and that's the way many times we think of God. And it, and, and it's because sin will make you think that that person is against you. And with good reason, because they usually are. And they have a right to be. And, and so God has a right to be against us because we've broken his law. But in his love and his mercy, he made provision for us to come back to him. So while in your mind you may be thinking, oh man, I've done too much and I messed up again and I don't want to, I don't want to keep confessing my wrong. I get sick of being wrong. You ever been there? Been sick of being wrong all the time? You don't want to confess to God one more time because here I am. Well, you need to do it. That's why the Lord's prayer is in the Bible. God expects you to show up guilty every day. He said, forgive us our, the daily, give us our day. You're there every day. When you see the Lord's prayer, that's an everyday prayer. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And while I'm here, God, can you forgive me for messing up again yesterday? So every day, several times a day, you can't go to God too often. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you feel that the, something's there, something's between you, you don't feel easy about going to him. You got some confessing to do, Lucy. 
You understand what I'm saying? You got to come clean. God, I don't feel right about, you know, I don't know what it is. This keeps bugging me. Sometimes it's long standing. Sometimes it's self-condemnation where you're condemning yourself, where he's forgiving you. You just didn't get the memo yet. You were forgiven 2,000 years ago. You got to read the memo. Amen. He's not holding anything against anybody who will come to him by way of the blood and the cross. Not, he's not holding anything against us. He forget, he died for the sins of the whole world. You were in the world when you were a sinner. Amen. And saved. You were in the world, but a kingdom candidate <laughs> saved was still acting up. Been there, done that. I don't care what it is. If it's something that, that puts a tension between you and God, you gotta address that. You can't live with that tension. He's your friend. He's your comforter. So comforter means to call near. He wants you close to him. Not so he can watch you, even though most of us bear some watching. You understand? We could use some watching. I know I could. Amen. And so he, he wants you near. He loves you. That's, that's what the Bible refers to as the beloved of God. Remember John, the, the revelator of uh, the apostle John, they said he leaned on Jesus' breast. He was just always close to him, always hugging him, always, you know, and, and even when you see pictures, you know, of the Last Supper, you see the 12, guess who John is? He's that guy that's right up close to him. <laughs> yep. Guess who Judas is? He had brother sitting way down at the edge, get ready to step out the door and do wrong. And so it, it's, it's according to how close you are to God, what your relationship is. And, and you're close to him because you want to be close to him. He's not going to force you to be close to him. Amen. He's not like a, uh, uh, what did him, sadistic person or you know them kind of people just treat me bad and i get i'm i'm here every day you know like a crazy boyfriend or something or a crazy girlfriend you know that uh somebody from who is the more crazy movies fridays or i guess i shouldn't be talking about the movies in the sanctuary but you know that crazy girl and uh she said you don't quit me i quit you when told the guy's windshield up and everything he ain't like that Amen. The Holy Spirit wants you to come. He said, draw near to me. I will draw near to you. Amen. So you make the first move because you have the, you have the, God always wants us to have the control. You understand what I'm saying? In, 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 so that he's not intruding in our lives. He can't say he forced us. To do certain things. He wants us to make the decision. Amen. When you can make the right decision. That means you're made in his image. And he likes that. He likes seeing a little carbon copy of himself. Running around here on earth. Whenever anybody was tested. Tested. And the enemy came up against them. They were always tested on what decision they would make. You're not test. If God does everything for you and initiates everything and and pushes you into stuff and forces you to do stuff, what are you left to do? See, part of you never gets never gets developed. Amen. It's it's like uh, uh, people who were once thought of as being 
um, you know, uh, not able to, to function on their own or not able to receive education and all that kind of stuff. It's been proven that people who put them in a category were wrong. Look at all the, the, the people, young people with Down syndrome now who are living to be up in their 40s, 50s, 60s, all of that kind of stuff. And they were thought, they were saying, well, they're not going to live long. They're never going to walk. They're never going to. But somebody let them go and watch them to see what they would do if they were given some encouragement to do it. And that's the way God treats us. See, when you're in sin, you can't do much but mess up. So what does God do? He puts his spirit and his word inside us and puts us in situations and say, okay, choose which way are you going to go? You're going to go my way so I can help you or you're going to continue to try to do things on your own. And so God wants to develop us as, as, um, People who are really made in his image, when when you're in the image of God, you make right choices. And he trusts us to make right choices. That's all he's doing. He's not putting you in a predicament where you can't get out. But he's trusting you to make the right choice. And if you don't make the right choice, he's there to help you and go to bat for you and not leave you. Just leave you there because you made a mistake. See, so many people get involved with the things of God and and they get into a season where they may make some errors instead of going to God where it says comforter says come near I know you messed up come here so like when you were a kid you know if you went outside your mother told you don't play girl don't play in that dirt you just got sit on the porch you know, been there, nice, nice clean dress or nice clean whatever thing. You're told to sit on the porch and that dirt all of a sudden looks real tempting to you. And you get out there and play in the dirt. You got dirty. Instead of turning yourself in, mama caught you. Get in here. I told you not to. But that's not the last time she's going to dress you up. She going to dress you up again. She may be mad at you right now, but she'll clean you off and get you dressed up again. Amen. And this is the way God does. He may, his wrath may be there. Now he hates sin. Don't get me wrong. He's not patting you on the head because you do wrong. But if you'll come near to him, he'll explain to you the relationship. Now listen, I can help you out of this. I'm going to come to your aid and your rescue. And in the meantime, your mind keeps kind of trying to figure out, God, how do I do it better the next time? See, when you're really contrite, when you really repent, people who are sorry and repentant do better the next time or want to do better the next time. You're not just a walking excuse me person. You got me? Not with the Holy Ghost living inside of you. You want to, you want to correct yourself. You get tired of being wrong all the time. Amen. You want to do stuff right. And God knows it. He put that in you. And so, but He will have mercy on you. He will work with you. He will help you until you get it right. But the comforter is the one who says, come near. You must come near to Him. You got to make the decision. To drop where you are and come over and talk to him. Amen. My, my late husband had a thing where, you know, he would, he would go through the checkbook every month 
You know, I call it judgment day. He just called it balancing the checkbook. I'm thinking to myself, man, you don't know how I'm sweating over here. And he, he, on purpose, I think, rustled some, just to keep me nervous, you know. And I'm over there sweating bullets and, and he would say, what is this? What is this? Come explain this to me. You know, and I'd say, oh, wait a minute. No, I, I got, I know I got, a, I got it written down here in my thing. I ain't got nothing down there. I'm spin, spin, spin. Don't record it. Cause you know, judgment day is, why should I write it down? And he got it written down. I'm going to judge myself. And I should. And, and he said, come over here and let me, let me show you something real quick. And so, uh, I'd come over and he said, sit down. Oh Lord, I got to sit for the lecture. And and he said, he said, baby, you did good. Jesus, God, you are alive. You are real. You're so good to me, Lord. I don't deserve it. And next month, it's the same thing again. You got me? But you went near. You trusted to come near. You trusted that there wasn't more punishment waiting for you when you, you understand what I'm saying? You draw near when you can trust. And so the Holy Spirit says, come near because he said, you can trust me. I'm where you need to be. When you messing up the most, you need to be the closest to me. Even though you may feel you don't deserve to be there, you need to be there. See, it's not about deserve. It's about what's going to help you, what's going to straighten you out. Amen. What's going to put you on the right track. So God's looking to get us on the right track. He sees us as capable people. He sees you just as capable as Jesus is. In every situation he put Jesus in, he sees us having the same outcome. Because we have the same equipment. We have the word. We have the spirit. There's no reason you can't be successful in everything you set your hand to do for God. You just got to believe he's with you. Most of our lack of success comes from the fact that we don't really believe in the goodness of God. You believe more in your flaws, more in your whatever, weaknesses, more in in that. You know, every time you get a good thought and you walk away from it because you don't think it's from you, that's usually God talking to you to elevate your thinking. I have this for you. I have that for you. Why don't you, why don't you let me help you think about it for a minute? Let's discuss this. Let's see if you want it or not. Why are you always turning me down? Why are you always saying you, you don't want this or you can't have that or whatever? You don't judge in these matters. God is the judge. We don't know what, what he has for us because many times we don't open ourselves up to it and understand that he is our success. See, success doesn't mean that you won't have problems with it. It means that he's with you in your problem, and he'll, guess what? He'll mess your little head up getting you out of it. Because you can't figure out a way on your own, that doesn't mean there's not a way out. Amen? And your little pea brain is the same old stuff, and that brain ain't getting no better as the years go by. For most of us, you understand what I'm saying? So you got to depend on him. You can't depend on your anything. God's got to bring those answers to you. So to comfort means to call near. We said that. It means to summons. 
You must come. See, it's a come near, but it's a determined one. The Holy Spirit is determined to get into our lives. He's, it's a summons. It's not something you can refuse. In other words, God keeps calling you to him to help you, and he's relentless about it. He won't give up. And thank God he doesn't give up. Amen. He keeps calling. Say, hey, come here. Let me, can I, hey, 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 come, come, come. And then the next day, you don't come that day. The next day, he's at it again. Hey, come. Hey, come. I'm here, over here. Come. Got something for you. Amen. And especially for help. When we need help, he's there as the helper. So when, when he calls you, there's a, an open, there's an openness about it. There's a place in there where you feel you can fit in there. It's not like come and I'm reluctant to come. And when I get there, I don't get anything helpful. It's come with an invitation that there's help for you. There's always something in God's invitation that allows for you to feel a peace and a freedom, uh, to feel a uh, no limits on the help, to feel he did it once, he's not tired of helping me. I, I've tapped into a, a source that cannot be depleted, can't be exhausted. I've tapped into a place that's open for me. That allows me space, allows me space to, to talk, to vent, to share, whatever it is. It's a, it's an all-purpose summons. Amen. You get to pour your heart out. You get to listen. You get to express yourself, your doubts, your fears, whatever. These things need to be confessed to God. You know, I'm not one of these confession Nazis who'll tell you to, you know, now if you've committed to something, if you say you're healed, you're healed. If you go and say you're sick, I'm, I might call you on that and say, hey, I thought you were healed. You can't confess sickness to. Come on now, get with it. You're healed. But other than that, you know, if you're pouring your heart out to God, you need to talk to him about something. There's nothing off limits in that that is called the confessional. <laughs> you got one right inside your heart. Amen. And all my Catholic girls said... Amen. A real confessional. Amen. And so uh, we need to understand that that God has a, a little secluded place in there for us to confess all these things. We talked yesterday briefly about the, the old tabernacle where the priest had the brass laver. And there was water in it, but also because it was brass, you got your reflection in there. You got to see what you look like. And you got to know that God was examining you. Amen. So we let God examine us. There's nothing wrong with that because he can fix us. If he can't examine you, how can he fix you? And how can you know what he's fixing? You know, sometimes we, well, I don't need to know all them details. You might. You need to know what's, what's being, you know, taken out, adjusted, fixed. What's being put back in different? What he got rid of that, that wasn't usable anymore? Huh? Sometimes it's your best stuff you thought you had going for you. When God tell you, I can't use that, you say, huh? 
Amen. Now, I don't need nothing from you. You need something from me. And I can give you something much better than what you have right now. Amen. And, and he has better for us. Amen. So to comfort also means to supplicate, make supplication. So the comforter actually prays for you, intercedes for you. So if you don't have all the answers or your prayers haven't given you anything, the Holy Spirit prays for you on his own. Romans 8.28 says that he makes groanings with utterances that we cannot, that we can't even say. They can't be uttered. You know, a lot of times we think that's groaning in the spirit. We think that's praying in tongues, but the Bible says they can't be uttered. So he's in a place where he, you don't even know he's going to bat for you. You know, that's why the Bible says weeping endures what? But joy, somebody prayed for you during the middle of the, you didn't pray for yourself. Well, you got to give God credit for knowing something about you. Number one, he knows as loud as you snore, you ain't going to be praying for yourself anyway. You get in that, that bed and you dead to everything. Amen. You could go to sleep in Kansas and wake up in Oz for all you know. You just didn't took the whole thing away and you ain't woke up yet. Amen. And so, so he knows you're not going to, he, he gives you sleep so you can rest and rest in him and rest in the fact that he's praying for you with groanings that you don't utter. Thank God you don't have to be involved in this one to mess it up. Well, God, I don't know if I want that or not. Just just go to sleep. That's why he never slumbers or sleeps. Somebody's got to be the watchman. He's watching over you. You know, danger seen and unseen, as they say. Amen. He's, He's protected you from those. Now, Now, you stand in faith on the word. Now, don't get sloppy, folks. Now, everybody ought to have a Psalm 91 on the inside of them working all the time. And and often that opens a door for you to get peace about what he's doing. But you don't have to stay up all night for anything. Amen. You don't have to watch anything. You let God have it. Amen. And let him take care of it. So supplication is one word for comforter. Entreaty. Now, to supplicate really means to request or to ask without the implication of a yes answer. So when a person supplicates, they're not sure what the answer would be. And But entreaty means you go a little bit deeper. Entreaty really means that you're not satisfied with supplication. You're not Yes or no answer. No, entreaty means I want a yes. And I know you got a yes for me. So entreaty really goes to the heart of the matter. So if the yes answer is being hindered by something we think or we do, the comforter will be able to help us get rid of that so that the answer will come clear to us. You know, sometimes if you... Say your faith is, is, is wavering. You believe God one minute, you don't believe him the next. There's something in you that keeps blocking that. Some, either in your thought life or in your heart and your believing. 
And so entreaty, when the Holy Spirit entreats for you, that means he can go to Jesus and find out what is it that's blocking this person from holding on to their faith, holding on to their believing. Sometimes it's some old tradition we believe. Sometimes it just might be, sometimes it could be that you haven't let it go in the natural. You keep watching in the natural and you ever been like that? Instead of letting God do stuff, we see what what He'll do. It's it's like sometimes if you you might be uh, have an application somewhere on file, and every day you you keep thinking about it instead of calling somebody and asking them. I mean, if you really want to know, you call and ask, find out. But see, what we do is we do this little mental dance. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I wonder, wonder how this, wonder how this going along. See, this is not faith. This little motion right here, this little nervous thing we do, that ain't faith. So quit doing that. Got me? Put your little hands to your side and say, God, you know what? I'm not real sure if that job is mine. Now I claimed it, but I keep going back and forth about it. I keep wavering on it. And God will just, you know, hear that. and Okay, he'll let you. But you know what usually happens? You keep wavering until you wear yourself out. You ever been there? And you think, I'm just tired of thinking about how I'm sick of worrying. I'm done, God. Take it. And in the next 10 minutes, the phone rings. You got me? See, our faith was hung up. By our natural man wanting to see something. You're going to always be challenged by your natural man wanting to see something, wanting to hear something, wanting to. That's why people, that's why gossip is so successful. People always want to know what's going on. They don't care if it's true or not. Amen. They just want to know. And so as long as that little knower is satisfied, oh yeah, is that right? Oh, I knew it. I knew they wasn't no good. Whatever. See, God wants to kill that little gossip devil inside of you. Amen. That little TMZ devil has got to go on to find out where all the stars are doing, all that. I see more friends of Tina Turner on Facebook this week than, and they mentioned her soul one day. You know, all them years they've been on Facebook, nobody put, please pray for Miss Tina Turner. God told me she may not be saved. Whatever. Now she everybody's friend. Everybody's this, everybody's that. That's the gossip devil. That's that little thing that wants to know everything that's going on about everybody. So you have something to talk about. And God says, talk about me. Exalt me. I need to be exalted in the earth. Amen. Tina didn't had her time. Anybody will tell you at her age, she is tired of jumping around dancing. You understand? You get tired of stuff after a while. Should be. And so she had her moment. So, you know, her latter years should have been seeking the Lord. Amen. So, so the Holy Spirit then wants us. He wants to help us with these things. He gives us help when we say supplications. That's asking and knowing that the answer could be yes or it could be no. Entreaty. Amen. Um, the yes answer 
is what we call a rhema word from God. It's not the word that you just read in the scripture. You know, anybody can read God made Abraham very rich and claim it. But that's just the written word. You want the rhema word for you. Amen. Number one, are you willing to do what Abraham did to get very rich? You got me? I mean, we, we, you gotta think reasonable about things sometimes. And so that's part of it, but, but there may be something you're doing that qualifies you. Then you gotta have a rhema word from God. You gotta have a word that he speaks to your heart. Once it's in your heart, it will not leave. I don't care what goes on in life. If God speaks it to you, it never leaves. Amen. This is like every day I get up, I'm a minister. It's been that way for 40 years. Amen. I never get up and not be a preacher. Because that call is there. That rhema word is there. That he put in there so many years ago. Now there are people that get up and one day they go do something else. Well, I don't think they were ever called. I'm going to say it again. I don't think they were ever called. And really, you got to be thankful people like that have sense enough to walk away from something they were doing that God did not call them to do. That has a greater sense of responsibility and accountability to God for what they do. Being a preacher ain't no plaything, you know. I mean, we may take it. I mean, it's like every day to me. It's like normal for me. But it wasn't always. You got to get to that point. But you got to know that once, that's my name. My name is Barb the Preacher. So every day he calls me and wakes me up, Barb the Preacher gets up too. I don't ever have a day off where I'm off my game. I've tried that. Amen. Try to go shopping and God will meet you with somebody and you look at them and they, God says, go talk to them. Amen. You go pray for people. You, you know, I don't care if you are at the mall. I don't care where you're embarrassed at. I'm here. You, I, I own you. You don't own yourself. So you get reminded that often enough. You just say, well, okay, that's the way it is. I'm going to work with it. Amen. You, you got to work with who you are. Can't be somebody else. You know, I've tried being all these people. You know, preachers say, I'm an entrepreneur. Thinking to myself. That's not like sell manure to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. That, you know, it doesn't work for me. I've tried having like, well, God, I just need to have a little business over here so I can make a little extra change. He said, why? <laughs> See, when you do this, that's wrong. Quit doing that. Put your hands down. You don't need no little extra change. Quit trying to massage God into doing something he don't want to do for you. And I realized that full-time ministry takes up this much of my brain. That means there ain't no more. You got me to work on anything else. So when God consumes that much of you, you don't have much left to, you know. I mean, some preachers can do it. Some of them are very exceptionally good businessmen and exceptionally good ministers. There are not many of them. They'll usually take up one and leave the other. Do you understand that they both are very consuming? Amen. But, but once you know what you're called to do, just stick with it. 
You know, and, and, and the Holy Ghost will take care of any other little thing you have creeping in there that's trying to steal from that. God doesn't want anything being stolen from the ministry. You got me? Amen. So entreaty, we said that he intercedes on your behalf, seeking an, a yes answer. You always want a yes answer from God. And the Holy Spirit is able to do that. You can't sit up and, and pump your, your brain so much full of the word that you twist God's arm and he says yes to something. We know his, his word is his will, but he's got, that word has to come into your heart before you can apply your faith to it. And if it never gets there, you won't get it. I don't care how many people read it in the Bible and see it in the Bible and say it's for you. It's got to come rhema to you. Other than that, you can't operate in it. See, this is why people just can't pick up the Bible and read it like a fairy tale and say, I'm going to live like that. You can't do it. I'm going to have that. You can't do it. These things have to be released to us from by God. Now, there are some things that are that automatic. If they're, if they're to deal with the atonement, like your salvation, you confess and believe you're saved. Your healing, you confess and believe you're saved. You keep at it and it will come to you. But there are certain things that have to do with your lifestyle, God's purpose for your life. Those things have to fit. So you can't just claim them for yourself. Amen. God has to put them in your heart. Sometimes God will start out with a no for you and wind up in a yes. How that happened? Well, look at the the woman that that was uh, talking to the unjust judge. God said the the Bible says that that He didn't want to do nothing for her. He said, "I ain't thinking." He said, "People don't move me. I'm not moved by God. Nobody moves me. I make my own decisions, and my decision is I'm not helping this woman." But then he finally admitted to somebody, he said, I'm going to go give her what she's asking for because she done wore me out. She keeps coming back over and over and over again. Sometimes there are some things that are like that in your life. Amen? There, that when you first come to the Lord for those things, you may not be so sold on it yourself. I'm going to say it again. There are sometimes we'll go to God because we we see things in the Bible and everybody's wanting them. Everybody's, you know, we kind of get in that group, that herd mentality, the group think. You know, we get these little movements go through the the body of Christ. Remember purpose? Everything purpose. Purpose. People were naming their churches purpose and, you know, and they closed them down. Purpose. Purpose driven life. Rick Warren got was a multimillionaire off that book. Sold so many copies of it. And then we see what happened in the body of Christ in the last two years. What happened to purpose? Well, it's just being challenged. Okay, you knew what you know what God was calling you to do. Now act in it. Where's your purpose now? That you can't get in the church building. Where's your purpose now that your congregation's been cut less than half? Where's your purpose now that, you, you know, it's not as easy for you to get on TV as it used to be? Where's your purpose? You see? So we get, we get challenged. You know, God's not sold on the fact you really believe him for things. 
until it's tested. And sometimes not getting that rhema from him automatically is part of your testing. You just don't want it enough to really commit to it on the level he thinks you ought to commit to in order to receive it right now. That's why that scripture is in there. You know, people say, well, you know, that looks like, like God is, God is not unjust. Well, no, he's not unjust, but you try just walking up to him and demanding stuff from him and see how far you get. You'll get, you'll hit that brick wall. You say, oh boy, that must not be for me. And that must not be, but that must not be. And you go away and you leave it alone. Five years, 10 years, 15 years. Then all of a sudden, year 25, boom, door opens. I'm going to say it again. You know what? Y'all went to sleep on me or something. I don't know what's going on here. Brother Dillard, how long have you wanted to have your own business? Yeah, more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. How's it going? Yeah, you got it now. Amen. See, you've had some runs at it. And you did a good run. Circumstances. Boom. The door closed. But you didn't keep quit pushing at it. When you got back on your feet, you found that that door got a little softer this time. It wasn't so hard on didn't locate dislocate your shoulder this time when you hit against it. Kind of seemed to be yielding a little bit, huh? Now, see, if you tell this this testimony to most Christians, they oh, something must been wrong with your faith. You should have got that the first time. Seriously, you try it, <laughs> huh? See if that door just flies open for you. Amen. So many times God will just put us off on something because he knows what it takes to get in there and make a success. He wants to get glory out of it. He doesn't get glory out of our failure and out of our quitting. So he puts it in a way where he'll say he'll knock on the door of your heart one more time. Hey, remember that? We, we partnered in this some time ago. You thought it was over. It's not over. Now's the better time for it. You did good what you learned a lot the first time out. Amen. Come on back again. We got more to do. This ain't finished. Amen. It's like the, uh, the boxer with the, the crazy person in the, in the manager in the ring, the crazy, uh, corner man. And he's all bleeding and everything. He said, ah, we just fix that cut up. Go back out there. You're going to win. You know, hit him one more time. I got a new maneuver for you. You got to get him on this side. Get him on that side. And pretty soon that brother didn't come away with the trophy. He's got some bruises on him, but they'll heal. Amen. Did you get bruises the first time out, Brother Dillard? And they healed. Working on them. Feeling better. Amen. Bruise no more. See, this is life. What God wants is for us to stay in the game. He wants us not to quit because of circumstances. See, if you take responsibility for circumstances, you're going to bury yourself. You can't take responsibility. Circumstances come and go. You know, if people say, well, you know, it's a recession. Well, God's bigger than a recession. Well, you're going to have a chance to prove it. We better not have one. I prefer us not to have one. 
I prefer God to be able to bless everybody. Amen. But, you know, don't be so flip and so glib with your little faith answers. You know, you gotta, you gotta be thoughtful about this stuff and understand the real life of living with God. So you need an encourager in the Holy Spirit to keep you going. He'll wake you up and say, it's still on. And you go, what's on? Huh? Because you forgot it. You was hoping it forgot you. Amen. You know, that they'll come when it's, it's still for you. God will wake you up to it. Amen. Don't ever give up. Amen. Amen. It's just like Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. They're up in there. I don't know how. They said, well, stricken in age. What's that mean in the Bible? That mean real old. That mean it's so big they don't give you a number no more. You know, well stricken. So, so, and he gets visited by an angel and says, your prayer has been heard. And he's thinking to himself, he thought he heard a, he hallucinating in the, in the temple, you know? And, and the angel says, you and your wife are gonna have a, a son. And he just goes on talking like everyday conversation. Zacharias got stuck at the point where he said son. Where he say you and your wife and then son, that's where he got stuck. And he didn't utter a word after that. You got me? So some of the things that God brings back to us when it's time for that prayer to be answered, and we all have those things in our lives. I mean, just we just do. There are going to be some things that we think we want desperately when we're young, and if we don't get them, we all been out of shape, and then we're not young anymore. And they still haven't come. Doesn't mean they're not coming. If that thing ever came alive in your heart, in your spirit, if there was ever a little flame in there, it's still burning. God, it's just not burning as hot as the other issues, hot button issues in your life. Amen. But there's a little, God can come by the Holy Ghost and blow, blow some air on it anytime and fan that flame and bring it back to life again. So don't ever say you don't want something. You count that out. And that ain't a, I used to, I used to believe you, you need, if you ever believed, you still do. And if you think you put it away, you gotta pull it back out again. Cause it's still active and it's still, it's still on God's book. I like that, uh, uh, Dean Braxton, the guy that went to heaven and he saw, he was traveling to heaven it's so fast a rate of speed, he said, but he said he saw stars shooting past him. And God told him those were the prayers of the saints getting to heaven. They were going faster at a faster rate of speed than he was. And he said when he got there, God told him, he said, I saved these prayers up. He said, there's no expiration date on your prayers. Your prayers will always come to pass. But God's got to be able to keep you interested enough to get the fruit of it. Amen. To, to see the, the, the uh, benefit of it. And if you stay faithful to God, you know, as long as you're in the kingdom, kingdom is like a, a place where you, you visit and you walk around. There's certain areas you walk in, certain areas you can't cover it all at all at one time. And you might revisit some areas you might have visited before. You say, oh, I, I planted a prayer right there. I, I, that's part of what I planted years ago that's finally growing now. I hadn't been this part of it recently. 
And God will have you revisit places where you've sown seed, where you've done things for him, where you've blessed people, where you've given to different ministries. He'll have you visit all of those things and reap your harvest. So it's not really about whether or not you've been faithful. It's about him. He's the faithful one. You can't keep it all under control. That's not your job. But your job is to be ready to receive whenever it's your season for reaping, wherever it's your season for receiving. He wants you to be ready to receive what he has for you. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We love you. Father, we lift you up. You're worthy to be praised and adored. And we thank you, Jesus, Lord God of heaven and earth. We adore you, Lord. Oh, we adore you, Lord. So good to us. There's such goodness in us because of you, because of what you placed in us, Lord. You put a deposit in us. It can't be denied. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray for you. Praise God.